1: Have you ever thought you would hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant? Would you like to hear him say that to you? Okay. Well, I don't think any Christian would want anything more than just that. Well done, good and faithful servant. What about what he said about his son? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Wouldn't you love to hear him say that about you? You are a son of God. Scripture teaches that. You're a child of God. Wouldn't you love to hear him say, You are my beloved son? And that word son could mean male or female in whom I'm well pleased. Well, you can. You very much can. What does it take? It takes someone who is sold out to do what Christ wants you to do. Because if you are sold out, he'll say, well done. You've been faithful over a few things. Come here, I'll make you ruler over many. Now my push and my desire is not to rule anyone. But that was his promise to you and to me. Well done. Well, believe it or not, it is possible to hear those words when you stand before him. Galatians 6, 9 tells us, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. What is it saying? In due season you shall reap if you faint not. It's, It's saying, if you don't do the things you know to do, the right things, in due season you will reap the blessings I have for you, says God. God has promised the poor into you Blessings that you don't even, can't even imagine now. And to grant you even your heart's desire. That's his word. Let us not draw, grow weary in well-doing. The Apostle Paul likens our life with the Lord to a race that's run. That race is run every day. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he says, Know ye not that they who run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run so that you may receive it. Run that race that God has laid before you. You know, I was asked before I even started to, to say a certain phrase, and I'm sorry. (laughs) I hope you got it started on time. Okay. To run that race. Run it with all your heart. Run that race. Then he chastens us in Galatians 5, 7, when he says, you did run well but what did hinder you from the truth? You know, some of us get stuck in a rut and we start doing things because that's the way we've always done them. We started in this Christian walk doing it this way and we're just stuck. We're just doing it that way. And God says, what did hinder you from changing and developing and growing and maturing in the word that I placed in you? I think that's a word for all of us today, for we all tend to get complacent in things. What is the Christian ought to be about? Ought to be about living before men and women, that they might see God in us. John 8:31 and 32. reads this way and I better put on something where I can see the... okay okay things are clear John 8 says then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed and ye shall know the truth and the truth I'll so set you free. If you abide in my word. That word abide is, is no small word. Let's see, and you have to excuse me because I... The word abide means to trust in, to continue in a state of Uh, or condition, to wait patiently for, to endure without yielding, to accept without objection, to remain stable and fixed in a state, and to conform to. So he says, if you conform to my word, you are my disciples. And that lets us know that we need to be doers of the word, and not just hearers only. You know, it's great to sit in a congregation where a person who's been anointed of God preaches and expounds on the Word, but our responsibility, each one of us in here, is to get the Word in us. Not just to hear it, but to get it in us. And we can only do that by hearing and by reading and by devouring it. The Bible says to to, to even digest the word, even to let it become part of our ever being. Not just hearers only, but doers. And the Holy Spirit's job is to lead and guide us into all truth. And he will do just that if we allow him to. So then the secret to hearing the words... Well done, good and faithful servant, is to read his word, learn his word, and live the word by doing his word. And in Psalm 1, God tells us that if this describes us, then he says, everything we do shall prosper. Wouldn't you like to do that when you start into a new venture? Some of you have probably started new businesses, and just prior to starting and opening up, you, there's a lot of apprehension, a lot of tension, a lot of uh, unknowns. But God says, If you abide in me, and I in you, ask what you will, and I'll do it for you. That's His promise. And He's no shorter than His promise. And I, for one, believe that that is the main theme in the book of Job. For the Bible talks about how Job lived his life in such a way that he honored God. And God blessed him. The Bible teaches us that he blessed him so that he had seven 1000 sheep 3000 camels 500 yokes, yokes of oxen and 500 female donkeys Now just let your mind think a little bit What would it take to even take care of that amount of animals It would take a, a lot of servants It would take a large piece of property to grow the food for those animals. It would take a lot of servants to feed them, to shelter them, and to take care of them. He also says that Job had a large household, seven children and uh, seven uh, sons and, and three daughters, plus a wife, and you know, households take a lot of people working So Satan approached God one time and and God said something which in my heart I really would like to hear God say about me and about those who believe him. He says, have you considered my servant Job? Now the King James Version says that he was perfect, but The New King James says he was blameless. Can God say that about me? Well, prior to Christ, he couldn't. But since Christ has come into the world and come into my life, and because he's in me, he's the one who the Father sees, not me. Therefore, he can say, have you considered my servant Fred? Have you considered my servant Tony? Have you considered my servant Bob? Put your name in there. If Jesus Christ is number one in your life, God can say that to the enemy of your soul. Have you considered my servant Sam? Blameless. Why? Because Jesus Christ came to take on all of my sins, all my past sins, everything that I might do today, everything I might do in future. And he took them upon himself and nailed them on the cross and his blood covered them. Amen? Amen. He does the same for every child of God. His blood washes away everything. Well, Satan, not to be outdone, credits God, credits uh, Job's lifestyle as, well, God, what else would he do? Because you, all you did was empty your, uh, your blessings and just poured it on him, just poured it on him but you take away your blessings and he'll curse you to your face. See, Satan didn't realize that when you truly come into Christ and Christ comes into you, there's a new life that takes place, a new transformation. You become a new creation. Old Testament, New Testament says, a new creation in Christ Jesus, and and it has nothing to do whether we're without God illness or sickness or our families are falling apart or whatever. has to do with the commitment we've made to allow him to come into our life. That's what happened to Job. He He was committed to follow Jesus. Now, you say, well, wait a minute. Jesus hadn't come to the earth yet. But like the other patriarchs in the Old Testament, they look forward to the time when Jesus would come. They look forward to that. Now we can look back and see what he has done, but think about what faith, what great faith it had to take for the old patriarchs to look ahead, to see that one day there would be a savior on this world, and I'm committed to him as well as to the Father. Just imagine what kind of wealth it took to run that household. And yet God provided everything. What would you give to hear him say those words to you? The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job blameless and upright? One who fears God and shuns evil. The word shuns actually just means turns, purposely turning their back against all that they see and know that to be wrong, to be evil. Now we in this lifestyle very often even if we're good church goers we tend to allow little things to creep in to our lives. And sometimes we even know it. And this is the season for taxes. And you know how easy it is to fudge a little thing here and to fudge a little thing there. But deep down in our heart, we know that we shouldn't do that. We should always be honest, faithful, and true to everything. Remember that when you do your income tax. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because I know. I've been caught up in that. I was. You know, uh, there are, like, limits that the government will allow. When you go over those limits, then they will start to investigate you. But as long as you're not over those limits, you know, they just pass you off and let things go. But In your heart, what it does, it eats away at your commitment. You give in to that, eventually you'll give in to other things. God says, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify God the Father. God saw that as an opportunity to show Satan just what living for him is all about and how he can come in and make a real change in a life. So he gave Satan permission to touch Job. The Bible never says that God touched Job. It says he allowed Satan to touch him. you know that he allows the enemy of our souls to do things in our life? Sam, what do you say? Are you saying that God is somebody who enjoys torturing us, enjoys doing things against us? No. There's a verse that has been the life verse of many people we've known, We, one of which just went to see the Lord about a week or so ago. We'd known her for many, many years, maybe more than 40 years. And her life verse was Romans 8:28. "For we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord to they who are called according to His purpose many people really misquote that verse. And I've heard it said by many well-meaning people that uh, that all things are good. The verse doesn't say that. All things are not good. I mean, how can you say cancer is good? How can you say... Living without one limb is good. All things are not good. But God has promised that all things will work together to bring good in your life. Each one of us probably have stories of things that's happened to us. Because you can't live in this imperfect world without things touching you and causing you to have problems. Well, I'm here to tell you today that God is larger than your problems. My God sees all before it even happens and has already prepared a way for you to escape that ye shall be able to bear it. That's in 1 Corinthians 10. Was it 13.10? He's already prepared that way for you to escape. And all you need to do is trust Him. Does God not want you to pray to Him, to ask you to remove things? Sure He does. He loves to hear from His people. But you see, everything that you see in other people's lives, we're all subject to. We're all subject to death diseases. We're all subject for an accident. We could leave this church right today and right before we get to that corner, and it could be a car accident, and we would be involved, and it could be life-threatening, or it could be where we would be disabled. Not one instant is promised to us except what's promised to us is that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you believe that, say amen. 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 See, Satan works very hard at trying to get you to doubt your creator. He brings about Many times, things in your own personal family, sometimes it's a contentious, unbelieving wife. Sometimes it's a contentious, unbelieving husband. Sometimes it's a a, a rebellious child in your family. And you say, Why is that? Why is he doing such and such? Why is, you know, I've said that many times. I have four children, but God brings my mind back and he reminds me they're my children and I'm working in them that they might grow to know me in a perfect, more perfect way. And all you need to do is to live before them in a triumphal way. And they will eventually see, the promise is That your children will eventually see and know the same God you know if you show them the way by living before them. Talk is good. We oftentimes talk it, and we try to beat it into them verbally, some of us physically. And if you remember back in your childhood, Many parents tried to do that. But it's what do the children really learn and how do they learn it? They learn it by watching and observing, especially when you're confronted with a a problem in life. When things come up before you, they look and see, well, how's mom dealing with this? Or how's dad dealing with that? And if we show forth a sense of unbelief a lot of questions will come in their mind Well, mom said such and such before but now look at her, it doesn't match up dad said such and such before so we need to abide in his word that we know how to act when things come up against us and know this they will they will come up against you but God is sovereign and he never leaves you alone. Satan is no quitter either. Job chapter 2 verses 3 to 10. Let me read that for you. <clears throat> Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him. Now this was after Job had lost all of his animals, his sheep, his camels, his, all the animals. And after he had lost his children, remember they were partying at one of the children's house and a big windstorm came and knocked the house down on him and he lost all of his children, one swoop. Yet, none of that caused Job to sin. And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him. To destroy him without cause, so Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. God was, uh, Satan was throwing a challenge out to God that, you know what? these people don't really believe. You've blessed them so much that that he's going to say the things that you just heard him say. But God said, okay. You don't believe it's true? You don't believe it's it's life-changing? It's transforming that which is in him? So he said, behold. He is in your hands, but spare his life. So that meant he gave Satan permission to bring about disease, other things into his physical body. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils on the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of ashes. Now, the the word potsherd only means just broken pieces of pottery. So let your mind go for it. Watch and see what Job was going through. He broke a piece of pottery and and was using it to scrape his skin while he sat in a bunch of ashes. Well, anybody knows ashes is acidity. So you can just imagine what Job was going through, how much pain he must have been going through to even do these things, to try to get a little bit of relief. And then he had to deal with one other issue. If you're married, it could be a woman or a man, it could be a husband or a wife, but scripture says his wife confronts him and says, Why are you holding on to your integrity? He says, uh, curse God and die. Now, this is the woman that he's been living with, the, the mother of his children, the one he began her married life with, and she's now telling, and she knew his faith. And she's now telling him to curse God and die. Look what he's done. He's allowed you to lose all your wealth. He's allowed your body to be subjected to all of this hurt and all of this pain. Why do you stick with him? Curse him. How dare he do that to you who has done so much to lift your name? And I love Job's response. He said to her, you speak as one of a foolish woman speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? And scripture says, in all that Job went through, he sinned not. It says he sinned not with his lips. In other words, he never spoke anything that was sin against God. I would hope that I would be the same way, but I don't know that. I know that all the life has thrown at me and my lifestyle, I know that you know, I've been able to say that from watching my wife laying on a, a hospital bed in, in 2005 and the doctors telling me we don't really believe she's going to make it watching my son in 1996 who was a healthy, strong individual, holding down his own job and, and then six months later, laying in a hospital bed, not able to walk, not able to talk, not able to even control his bowels, and the doctors not even knowing what's wrong with him after three or four months had gone by. You see, none of us are immune to anything this world has to offer. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. That means that he controls many things in and around us. So we're subject to anything. But praise God, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And in all that, Job sin not with his lips. The end of the story says that at the end of the book of Job, and we've only covered just a a chapter or two, maybe two chapters, it says that God restored Job everything he lost, even gave him back the same amount of children. doesn't say much about the, the wife. It doesn't go on and tell, say that she had a change of heart or whatever. But I have to believe that in watching her husband go through that time, that her faith was also renewed. That's why New Testament says that you can win an unbelieving husband or an unbelieving wife. By the life that you lead before them. And God blessed him and restored him. Why? Because the Bible calls him solid in his faith, or we can say a solid Christian. What does it mean to be a solid Christian with the ability to withstand all that you will face in this world? the contentious wife, the contentious husband, the, the rebellious child, disobedient child, the physical and emotional uh, problems you may face down the road. The terminal diseases or handicapped. When we hear the word cancer, the first thing that comes to our mind is terminal. Because left alone, it will destroy us. Nowadays, there's been many who have gone through the scare of cancer. I, for one, am a cancer survivor. My wife is a cancer survivor. And I know we've spoke to many out here who are cancer survivors. But for God. You know, when you give your life to Him, you're hidden in Christ. And you come to realize that no matter what happens in this world, it's okay. If I die because of a deadly disease, praise the Lord. It's He who gives me life anyway. And I thank God for that. We can be at peace. The question now for us is, Will? what we have to go through in this life, will they eat away at our faith? Or can you hold firm to your faith and the love of God? Like I said before, no one's immune to life's problems. But I love that verse in Romans 8. All things do work together for good for those who, who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Don't let what you see with your eyes or you hear with your ears cause you to lose faith in God. Many people will come to you with their problems, with their situations. Some are very close to you, uh, family members. Trust in God. Let them know that you trust in God and encourage them to trust in God. The peace that passes all understanding is his for you and for all those who would believe and trust in his word. Remember what Job said? Naked I've come out of my mother's womb and naked I shall return. There are a few lessons we can pull out of this. And these are not exhausted. But just let me read them to you. This is what I've observed. There are things going on in heaven with God that we don't know anything about, yet they do affect our very lives. In Job's case, Satan came to God's throne and inquired about Job and why he was so blessed and that caused God to allow him to bring about the problems in his life. Number two, God's people do suffer Bad things do happen to good people. So do not judge a person's spirituality by what you see them have uh, uh, monetarily or by the physical problems they seem to be having and the circumstances they're going through. Don't judge them by that. God is more than your circumstances. Number three, even though God seems to be far away, perseverance in faith is a must-noble quality. Since God is good all the time, and we've heard that in churches, and all the time God is good, What it's really saying is all things work together for good and that God is in your life working all things together for your good. So then we can safely leave our lives in God's hands. Number four, the believer in the midst of suffering should not abandon God but should draw closer to him Trusting in Him. So out of the fellowship you have with God can come comfort even without explanation. Have you heard people cry out, Why, God? Sometimes God tells you why, but sometimes you don't hear it clearly and you don't know it. But never doubt God is in you if you accepted his son's sacrifice on Calvary. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And the fifth thing suffering may become intense, but it will ultimately end in the righteousness of Christ in your life. And God will bless the righteous abundantly, I like the way Psalm, the book of Psalm puts it, It says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the comfort of your word as it has touched our lives many times this week in many, many ways, and I pray, Father, that Your Word would penetrate the hearts of all those that are here, that You would encourage them, that You would let them know that no matter what they're going through, that You're there. You're there to take care of their even minor, quote-unquote, problems, as well as the large ones, that nothing Goes without your understanding and your knowledge. And they can call upon you at any time. I pray, Lord God, that everyone here would be, have their ears alerted to anything around them and their eyes sharpen the vision for that in many times they would be able to speak to situations, be it in their family, be it among, in their communities, wherever they are, whatever they're involved in, that you would hear and receive their prayers and that there always is an answer, sometimes not the one we want at that given time, but all things will work together for our good. And I thank you, Father, for that. Etch that on our hearts. Never let us forgive it. For we thank you, Father, and we praise you in Jesus' name.